We're going to be in Galatians 6, so you're welcome to turn there, and while you're going there, um, I just want to talk a little bit about what our culture defines as loving other people, okay? Our culture is really big on this, okay? You, you name the group out there, they're probably about loving other people. So we hear this all the time, we hear it from all sorts of songs. So I'm going to give you some song lyrics, and I don't know, I said I wasn't going to sing them, but some of them are just hard not to sing, so... Forgive me if I do. We'll see what happens. So, the Beatles, all you need is love. You can't not sing that, right? All you need is love, love, love is all you need, right? Beatles, so love everybody. Okay, so for those of you who are too young for that one, I hope not. If, if you don't know the Beatles, you need to check out the Beatles, okay? Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a brand, a brand new one. Maybe some of you won't know it. Maybe some of you will. Um, I give love to all my people. All of my people need love. I give some. It was like a rap. That's Andy Grammer. He's, he's talking about, hey, I'm going to give love to everyone. We all need to love one another. And then um, probably the group that says it the best, the Black Eyed Peas, uh, people killing, people dying, children hurt, you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach? Would you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. Because people got me, got me questioning, where is the love? I had to, I had to do it then. But, but they're starting to get the idea, right? So loving other people means not killing people and children not hurting or crying. Um, okay, and we need some help from Father. I don't know if they're, they're crying out to God there, but I'm, I'm just going to take it as that. Um, but certainly, strength from God to love one another is, is what we should have, but it still doesn't define what loving others means. What is that? It's this ethereal concept that everyone's talking about and everybody wants, but no one really defines. Well, Paul defines it for us in Galatians 6. So let's check this out. We're going to read 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So a little background of Galatians, if you haven't been here with us, and just a refresher for those of you who have. Paul, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's addressing false teachers. And he's saying, you know what, you false teachers, you're telling people you need to believe in Jesus, plus do all these other things, these good works, and to try to obey the law. And these are, these are called legalists, people who bank on their good works to save them. And Paul in chapters 1 through 4 is basically saying to them, are you kidding me? When I came to you and shared the gospel with you, I shared very clearly that to, to believe in Jesus, you just believe in Jesus. 
You don't have to believe in Jesus and then do this and this and this. Otherwise, you, you don't know if you're really his or not. You should start doubting. And that's what these, these false teachers are doing. And Paul's saying, knock it off. Are you kidding me? And then chapters 5 through 6 that we're in now, Paul's saying, because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, walk by the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to do good works, not to try to earn your way to heaven, like these people, like these false teachers are saying to do, but in a response that you just can't help respond that way because you have God living inside of you now. So here in 6, 1 through 10, the command is given right in verse 2. The command is bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is what it means to love other people. It means to bear other people's burdens. Bear other people's burdens. Paul's message to these Judaizers, John Stott said it it would be like this to these false teachers. Hey, instead of imposing the law as a burden upon others, you should rather lift their burdens and so fulfill Christ's law. Uh, If you look back at 5.14, Galatians 5.14 basically says there that fulfilling the law means to love your neighbor. And if loving our neighbor means bearing one another's burdens, that's what it means to love one another, to bear one another's burdens. You want to know how loving others is going in your life? How much are you serving other people? How much are you bearing other people's burdens, taking on some of their problems on your own back? So some prerequisites to bearing other people's burdens we see in verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Humility. Humility is a prerequisite to bearing other people's burdens. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing. Why does Paul say that? Okay, because apart from Jesus, we're dead in our sins. We're jacked up. We're prone to lie. We're prone to cheat, to hide, to live in fear. Now, we're certainly created in God's image. And so each human being is beautiful and special because they're created in God's image. But without Christ, they're just like shattered jars of clay. Okay? Once beautiful, amazing. Still the beauty's still there. If you have a broken jar, you know, you can still see the beauty that was once there. But it's just broken and messed up because of sin. And that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying when you're nothing, messed up without Christ because of sin. Galatians 5.26, we saw that this is what happens when we think too highly of one another. We provoke one another. Okay, Provoking is basically making a contest out of everything. And I don't do that at all. Um, But no, I actually tend to do that way too much. Make a contest out of things that shouldn't be contests and then drive a wedge between relationships. And I'm sure, um, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking too low of you all, but I'm sure a lot of us in here tend to do that as well where we're provoking one another and envying one another. We want what one another has. And Paul's saying, yeah, that's, that's the opposite of loving each other. That's the opposite of bearing one another's burdens. You're not each other's enemies. You're on the same team if you're following Jesus. So how do you view others? Do you view others as too messed up for you to waste your time on? I admit, um, there was a student once that just talked a ton. You, you know those people that just 
they can't stop talking. And, but this student was also really annoying, or at least he really annoyed me, right? So I, I, I seriously just tried to avoid this kid. And um, yeah, I, I had in my mind, even though I never said it, and maybe never even thought it consciously, subconsciously, I believed that he was too messed up to waste my time on. And that simply isn't true of anybody. Because I'm actually way messed up as well, and I'm sure some people find me really annoying. And I have all sorts of things that people could just pick at. So the truth is we're all way messed up. And how else do you view others? Maybe you view others as, you know what, you're... Um, they're too good for me, right? I remember one time I ran into this business guy. Um, he's got the suit. He's got, he's got his hair all done just right. And everything thing just seemed perfect in his life. And I'm like, that guy's way too good for me to talk to. I, I just, I'll just keep my distance over here. And, and that was wrong of me, right? Because the reality is this guy is not too good for me. We are all messed up. We are all desperately in need of a Savior. Humility means seeing ourselves and others the way that God sees us. And here's how God sees us. God sees us all as broken, sinful, and in need of a Savior. The ground truly is level at the foot of the cross. You know, it's not like Billy Graham is up here next, close to Jesus at the cross, and I'm back here farther down the hill going, oh, Billy Graham. No, actually, Billy Graham has his stuff too. And if it wasn't for the work of Jesus on the cross, he couldn't stand in front of the cross as much as I can't stand there in relationship with Jesus. So when we look at it that way, that the ground really is level at the foot of the cross, we begin to be humbled. Because we see ourselves for who we really are. And we see others for who they really are. And can't help but love and reach out to anyone and everyone. Jesus bared others' burdens. And he did this ultimately on the cross, right? The ultimate act of love was actually an act of bearing burdens. Our burdens, our sin burdens on the cross. So humility has to be a prerequisite. Jesus had humility. When he had all the reason in the world not to be that humble because he is God and has no imperfections. So how much more should we be humble towards one another? And then we also need to have responsibility. Look at verses 4 and 5. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. So what's the difference between verse 5 it's, it, and verse 2? In verse 5, it's talking about you have to bear your own load. Verse 2, it says, bear each other's burdens. Is Paul contradicting himself? What's going on here? Well, verse 2 is talking about a really heavy, overwhelming load. And then verse 5 is talking about more like a military term for a soldier's own pack. Okay, he's got to carry his own, his own backpack, his own stuff. So Warren Wearsby kind of brings it to life. He says, if my car breaks down, my neighbor can help drive my children to school, but he cannot assume the responsibilities that only belong to me as their father. Right? I still have a responsibility to raise my kids. I still have a responsibility to make sure my kids get to school, even if my neighbor is the one taking them. Right? You don't lose the responsibility. Bearing others' burdens can't come at the expense 
of walking in the Spirit yourself. Last week we talked about walking in the Spirit. But rather, bearing one another's burdens has to come as a result of walking in the Spirit yourself. So, for example, you got a soldier. Let's say he's, he's got his own pack. They're going along. They're going on a five-mile run, let's say. And they're going to eat um, some food and set up camp when they get there. And he's got a tent. He's got some food in his backpack. And he, he sees someone next to him struggling. And he's like, oh, man, here, let me help you. He takes off his own backpack, takes his, and gets running. Well, guess what? When they get to the camp, they're going to have half the amount of food and half the amount of shelter and half the amount of supplies that they needed. So what he did was actually really foolish. Now, if he would have taken both of the backpacks, it would have been a different story, right? That's, what's, that's what Paul's saying here. We have to bear our own load, okay? So if we start praying daily for all sorts of people, you go, oh, I'm going to bear... I'm going to bear people's burdens. So I'm going to get this huge list of people and I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to ask them what they need prayer for. I'm really going to bear their burdens. But you're not praying for your own family. You're not praying for your own soul. Then you miss the point. You're not bearing the responsibility that God has given you before you start bearing others' burdens. We have to be humble and we have to be responsible Humility and responsibility are essential to bearing others' burdens. But whose burdens should we bear? Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So what's this talking about? Yeah, it's, it's actually talking about providing for the physical and financial needs of pastors and teachers. So I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Uh, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. Um, you guys value the proper handling of God's Word that much that both on Sunday and throughout the week, um, you, you say, yeah, we're, we're going to give Matt's money to provide for his family so he can do this really well. And I, I just want to say thank you. It's an undeserved blessing to freely serve God and you without having to worry about uh, where I'm going to lay my head tonight and what I'm going to eat. So who bur- whose burdens should we bear? Those who teach the Bible. Um, okay, we'll move on because that's a little awkward for me to talk about. And uh, verse 10. Skip down to verse 10 with me. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Just stop right there. Everyone. That's whose burdens we need to be bearing. Anybody and everybody. As the Spirit prompts you and nudges you, You need to bear the burdens of anybody and everybody you come in contact with. The gal in front of you in the grocery store line that needs some help financially. Your neighbor who you barely know. Your co-worker that annoys the snot out of you. Anybody, everybody. Excuses we give. You say, you know, I I don't have time to help this person. i got to get to where I'm going. We say, you know, it's, it's scary. I barely know them. That would be weird for me to go and serve them. Really, I've never felt it was weird when someone came and served me, even if I didn't know them. But those are the things we play in our mind. But when we're walking in the Spirit, you'll start to do some scary, uncomfortable, random things for random people. And if that hasn't happened in your life or hasn't happened in a while, 
how are you doing at walking with God? He's going to call you to do some, some scary stuff. I was talking to someone just this week who was like, you know, I think, I think I should give my car to somebody because we don't really need two cars. And this coworker of mine really does. They're like, what do you think about that? I'm like, what, what's there to think about? <laughs> That's what it means to bear one another's burdens. You do some crazy stuff. You do some uncomfortable things, some scary things. Can you even think about, can you even think of a time where that's happened in your life? Or can you think of the last time where you did some scary, uncomfortable things to serve somebody? The end of verse 10 says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we need to bear everyone's burdens, but we need to bear believers' burdens. And why does it say especially believers? Well, the, the whole phrase family first is true. We're just following the example of Jesus who bore the burdens of those who would believe by going to the cross. So are you even in a position to bear other believers' burdens? We have connection groups going on. And if you're interested... Fill this out. Turn this into the welcome table. Put it into the offering box today. Why? So that people can help bear your burdens. And then you can do the same. You can help bear their burdens. We're not meant to walk through this life alone. We need one another. We absolutely need one another. And if you're not walking in this, life is going to be infinitely harder for you. I promise you. So for your own good, and for the good of everyone sitting around here this morning, Jump in a connection group. So how are, you going, how are you doing at bearing other people's burdens in this room? If you call this your church home, and you look around, how are you doing at bearing other people's burdens in this room? That's what Paul's calling us to do. Jack Owens preached here a couple weeks ago. He started this church. Incredible example of this, you guys. He saw a need in our church. He saw that we had lots of kids coming and needed more teachers and helpers. So what did he do? At age 70, who's planted churches and started ministries, goes, I'm going to help with the children's ministry. That's bearing one another's burdens. Jack, who, who comes up to me and goes, you know what? I want to I wanna go on a double date with my wife and you and your wife, and I'm going to pay for your child care and for the meal Let's go. I'm like, what? Who, did, who does that? It was, it was so refreshing. And that's, and that's Jack. But that should be all of us. Where we're just going out of our way to bear one another's burdens. What's our motivation? Our motivation for bearing one another's burdens is eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. Look at verse 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So in Galatians 5, 
Paul used this war analogy of the flesh or our sinful nature and the spirit and they're in the spirit and they're at war with one another. They're constantly in conflict with one another. But here Paul is using the analogy of two fields. Okay, so we can sow to our flesh our sinful nature and he says it will bring about corruption. Ways that we sow to our flesh, even as believers, we heap up more and more unnecessary possessions that are only for ourselves. We make our lives more cushy while others are suffering. We use most of our free time on ourselves and our kids' desires and pleasures. But if we're sowing to the Spirit, which it says will produce eternal life, we're making our lives less cushy so others can suffer less. We're using large chunks of our free time to serve other people, not serve ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not a bad thing if God has blessed us with financial resources to use that for his glory and enjoy the things he's given us. But we're not meant to just keep that to ourselves as believers. Verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's going to be a reward. Might not be immediate, but it, it will come, if not until heaven. The reward is coming beyond comparison. So Paul's saying, hey, don't give up. Don't stop serving one another. Don't stop looking around and seeing what other people need and meeting those needs. Don't give up. So this sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the spirit um, is kind of like this. You look at this picture. If you, if you went out, I don't know who would do this, okay, because this is just weird and crazy and it happens in my yard without even trying. But if you went out with a bunch of dandelion seeds and said, I'm just going to plant a whole yard full of dandelions and it's going to be great. Well, yeah. Right away, it will be, be kind of cool because it will be all yellow, but then it will die and you'll have a yard full of weeds. And that's what it's like sowing to our flesh. Right away, it's, it's great, but it leads to death, leads to corruption. But if we, if we take our time and plant some peonies, which this is in our yard, um, which is just an, just an act of grace from God anyways because we didn't even plant them because we just stink at planting anything. But uh, here they are in our yard, and they, they come up once a year, but I know that you, you can't just go out and chuck some seed and you're going to get peonies. You've got to take your time, and then it'll take some time for it to grow, take even more time for the blossoms to come, but it's totally worth it. And that's what it's like to sow to the Spirit like planting peonies. It takes a long time, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. So my question to all of us in here is are you sowing to the flesh and only caring about yourself and your own burdens? Or are you sowing to the Spirit and bearing others' burdens? I want you to think about who you say you love in your life. Who do you say I love you too. Or, in, or just in your mind, you're like, I love this person. I love this person. Maybe it's, a f- maybe it's family. Hopefully it's family. Your church, family, neighbors, co-workers. 
Paul is asking us, are you bearing their burdens ever? If you say you love someone, you will bear their burdens. And if you're not, do you really love them? That's, that's essentially what Paul is saying here. And now I'm going to go back to verse 1, because Paul gives us an example of bearing one another's burdens. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Notice, he says, in a spirit of gentleness. That's the humility that Paul talked about. You come with gentleness. But then responsibility. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Okay? You're not above whatever this sin is. You're about to call out on this other person. You're not above that. You need to recognize that. Tim Keller says Christians need to be neither quick to criticize nor afraid to confront. Bearing burdens includes bearing one another's sin struggles. And I think Paul gives us this as an example Because he knows that this is the hardest area to bear one another's burdens. Because we don't want to share our own sin struggles. And we don't want to call one another out on our sin struggles. So I think that's why Paul uses it as an example. We must not be afraid to gently confront sin in one another's lives. The culture says you just need to gloss over it. It's not loving to call people out. Well, guess what? If I go outside today into the sidewalk and I go, hey, you know what? I'm just going to pound the cement as hard as I can with my fist over and over. It's going to be great. Someone told me it's gr- uh, it exfoliates your skin. It's awesome. Okay, and I hear even if you break a bone, it'll just make your hands stronger once it sets again. Okay, so this is awesome. It's going to be great. Okay, it would not be loving of you to let me do that. Our culture says, hey, just let people do whatever they want whenever they want. You know, that's, that's their business. The loving thing to do is just let them go. That's like letting someone just go bash their hand into some cement. That is not loving at all. We need to gently confront sin. And we must not be quick to criticize. It says in here, you who are spiritual. This is not talking about... Uh, people who are like an upper class Christian or they're better or, or perfect. They're simply more mature and more experienced. At least in this area of life, they're more experienced and more mature in following Jesus and full of the fruits of the Spirit in that area. But that whole time, we need to have this air of, I'm not above that. I could fall into that sin as well. So he says to gently restore. Gently restore people caught in sin. Restoration is a process. Anyone who's restored a vehicle or restored anything knows that that takes some time. Okay, You don't just go up and bam, it's restored. So many of us, that's what we want to do because we just want to get it over with. Okay, I need to call this person out, so I'm just going to go, hey, you, you know what? You've got this in your life and you really... You really stink at that, see ya. That's, that's not gentle restoration, okay? It takes time. We have to walk through it with them. What if we applied this to our parenting, okay? Let's imagine um, you got a teenager who comes home an hour after curfew. You could respond like this. You go, go to your room, 
You're grounded for six years. They go off to the room. Of course, they're not actually grounded for six years, right? And that's it. That's not gentle restoration. If we were gently restoring in our parenting, what would happen in that situation? Yeah, we still might send them to the room. We still might ground them for some time. But sooner than later, we would come to them and go, hey, you know what? I want to talk about this. You know, the reason I don't want you out later is because I don't want you getting into anything that could harm you because I really care for you and I really love you. So how can I help? Can I, maybe I could send a text. Maybe I could call you when it's about time to help remind you. How could I help you along this journey? You see the difference? Gentle restoration in our parenting. What if my five-year-old hits my two-year-old, even though it's usually the other way around? Let's just pretend for a second. Uh, And I go up to Joy, and I'm like, you know what? You're getting a spanking. You should never hit your brother again. Boom. Done. That's not gentle restoration. Sure, I still might give her a spanking. Probably would in that situation. But then I sit down with her and go, why is hitting your brother a bad idea? Because it hurts him. And God calls us to love one another because he loved us. And I pray with her. Maybe spend some time laughing with her and playing with her after that. That's gentle restoration. I'm going after their heart. I'm not just calling out their junk and leaving them. What if we apply this in marriage? Gentle restoration. Right? What if instead of coming up to our spouse, hey, you know why you're doing this and it really bugs me and it really hurts me? Ugh. What if instead we went to them when everything was cool and calm and said, okay, I know that I have some things that I need to work on that I do that hurt you. So I, I would like you to share with me some things that I do to hurt you. And then they share it, and you apologize for those. You take the log out of your own eye first, and then you come, and then you say, okay, there's this one thing, or these couple of things that have been hurting me. Nine times out of ten, they're going to actually listen to you. If you come with that humility, if you come with gentle restoration, and then you share that, and then seek forgiveness. And move forward. You see the difference between gentle restoration and just calling people out on their sin? What about relationships with people in this church? What if you actually went to that person and talked through it instead of coming to the pastor and saying, Hey, I have this beef with this other person. Can you help me? Can you help me work through it with him? I'm like, Have you talked to him yet? No. This happens a lot. Gentle restoration means we go to the people we have conflict with, the people that we have a problem with, that we see sin in their lives, and we help them walk through that. We don't take the coward's way out and dismiss it. We don't take the coward's way out and be overly aggressive. We gently restore them. All of this is only possible if we're walking in the Spirit. There's no way we can gently restore people if we're not walking in the Spirit. We need God's help. So how can we begin to bear one another's burdens? I think a really simple way, if you're just like, I'm not really sure what to do, or how to do this, is to pray for one another. 
Ask people what they need prayer for. How can I pray for you is a great question. And don't accept the answer, my cousin is sick. Okay, say, that's great. I'm going to pray for your cousin. That's awesome. But I want to know how you're struggling. I want to know what you're wrestling. And I want to pray for you as well as for your cousin who's sick. Share your own struggles. Share your own honest, candid prayer requests. And with God's Spirit and God's help, we can start to bear each other's burdens. We can start to really be the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would empower us by your Spirit to take action and start bearing one another's burdens. That we would look around us and stop just looking to ourselves and look around us and see how we can help gently restore other people, how we can help other people in their struggles, in their pain, in their sin struggles, in their burdens, in their trials, in their maybe darkest seasons of life. Help us to walk through that with people. Pray this in your name, Jesus.